0: All right. Tonight we're going to continue our study in the Gospel according to John. Last week I taught in part John fourteen seven through twelve, and then we took note of how Jesus and his apostles had fulfilled John fourteen twelve. But seven through twelve, we made our way down to twelve, and now we're we're going to do a few uh, very little uh, review. But we're going to talk about what miracles today. What about them? All right. Before we re- <clears throat> before we return to where we left off, though, let's use First John one nine as may or may not be necessary. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and to study Your Word recognizing that all Scripture is indeed God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, in order that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. For I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to review the NIV of John 14.12. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So what about miracles today? Well, the question is often raised as to whether the modern church may enjoy the same power of performing miracles as the early New Testament church did. So we know that from previous study. And John 14, 12 is talking about the disciples who became apostles and how they did more than Jesus did because there were, of course, 12 plus of them, 12, and then there were many others who, of course, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and did a lot of miracles. And we look at a rec- looked at a record of those found in the book of Acts and in the Gospel accounts, and then in the epistles, uh, and then of course in the age of the church, as we will see, uh, the whip gifts, and that includes miracle, miracle working by individuals having the gift of being able to do miracles has passed, if you will, uh, and uh, not that miracles are not done today. We know that, if they be the case. But that's basically our study tonight if we begin. What about miracles today? So that question is indeed often asked as to whether the modern church may enjoy the same power of performing miracles as the early New Testament church did. Well, when the, uh, again, canon got completed, that seemed to be the signal event that whip gifts uh, are gone and when it got better said, when it got written, and then when it got distributed, once we got the canon distributed, we see uh, and in fact saw a gradual diminution, if you will, of uh, miracles performed by people. So we're going to look at all of that. This is just kind of an overview. With one exception now, when the rapture occurs, and then in the tribulation, the Antichrist will do a lot of miracles. And it's quite possible that believers will be doing miracles during the tribulation. Uh, But uh, we'll speak to that a little later. So here we go. What about miracles today? So the question is often asked as to whether the modern church may enjoy the same power of performing miracles as the early New Testament church did. It must be granted that God is omnipotent and could enable His own to perform miracles today. Uh, while it is clear from Scripture and history that God generally and gradually ceased to work through signs and wonders as the canon was being completed and distributed. And I think we can agree miracles do occur, occur today. But as far as the gift of miracles. I, I rather think that it is it, very, very unique, and maybe in the uh, lands where uh, the jungles of Africa and the, where missionaries are in India, etc., uh, they may very well have, have uh, some missionaries, for example, may have the ability to do miracles, but it's a very unique situation usually to counter uh, the demonic activity because Satan does miracles all the time. Um, I was telling Wayne and Carolyn about how Deborah told me about... Uh, she read the, the screw tape letters and then she said, then I read that other book. Started reading that other book you recommended uh, which was... Um, uh, the, the haunting of Bishop Pike by Merle F. Unger. and she said that's the scariest book I ever read. And I said, well, that's right because you, you see how Satan used those miracles to get the bishop, you know, involved in trying to talk to his son, you know, who had committed suicide and was a drug addict, and uh, and he let him have several very successful seances where he heard the voice of the son and he, and he saw all sorts of things happening inside the home uh, until he had been confident enough that he took him out into the desert of Israel, led him out there, the demon, and uh, dropped him off and left him. And he died of dehydration and uh, couldn't find his way back. Because he took him way out in the desert. So there are a lot, and then of course I told her, I said, well, the next one you want to read is is Hal Lindsey's book, Satan is Alive and Well on Planet Earth. And he has a lot of examples in there of people who have been demon possessed and have done great things. seem to be one characteristic common, which was that he makes them very, very successful. And then pulls the rug out from under them, and then begins to, you know, give them great trauma, pain, etc., failure, uh, and some of them believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and as soon as they do, they still have this little ache, you know, to want to see miracles, and but many of them overcome. He has examples how many of the people have overcome the. Temptation to fall back into uh, what would you say the excitement of of seeing things happen that are miraculous. So we have to be very careful. I guess is the the, the clarion call, the warning. So let's go now to point. Uh, let's just go ahead and start over. Okay, I'll quit rambling. All right, the question is often raised as to whether the modern church may enjoy the same power of performing miracles as the early New Testament church did. It must be granted that God is omnipotent and could enable His own to perform miracles today. While it is clear from Scripture and history that God generally and gradually ceased to work through signs and wonders as the canon was being completed and distributed, well authenticated occurrence of the miraculous are seen today among tribal peoples. Miracles seem to abound, perhaps to attest to the message and messenger, or perhaps under the auspices of Satan to confound and obfuscate the saving grace of Christ. Who knows? Many missionaries attest to being challenged by local magic men who can perform miracles. We heard a testimony, I think it was in California, where this one missionary testified to how, I think it was in India, but I'm not sure, uh, this particular uh, demon-possessed person took a sword and ran it through his arm. It came out the other side and he pulled it out and it wasn't bleeding. Just The wound just closed up. And uh, then the... Demon possessed guy took the sword and handed it to the missionary. I did it, now you do it, you know. And of course he didn't. Well, the natural temptation might be to try to do something like that, not that severe, I hope, but uh, to get you off the issues, like all issues. You can talk about uh, divorce, you can talk about, uh, we were talking about, I pointed that way, we were talking tonight about divorce in, in my brother's case and so forth. Uh, you can get uh, sidelined, adultery, uh, whatever it happens to be, dancing, playing cards, that goes back to screw tape letters. As the demon says in Screw Tape Letters, if marriage gets him off of Christ, talk to him about the great marriages and, the, and his marriage. And the, if it's cards, talk about playing cards. If it's alcohol, talk about alcohol. Anything that you want to get them diverted, even the good things, do it. And uh, I think that uh, it's it's really impressive. Uh, the way it's done, because it's done in a fun way. It's an excellent book. It's uh, C. S. Lewis was a great writer and not a minister. C. S. Lewis was a layperson, and uh, back in World War Two, I mean World War, yeah, World War, World War Two, you know, the big war, you know. But uh, that was the time period where he was very active in England, and he went through the bombing of the, the V twos and. V1s, V2s, V3s, etc. Alright, so well-authenticated occurrences of the miracles are seen today, again, by tribal peoples, as we said. Wycliffe, in his Bible encyclopedia, has written, In primitive tribes, miracles apparently did not occur after a church had been established. This is not to imply that miracles have not occurred or will not occur. But that's just a general rule that... uh, the Wycliffe Bible Encyclopedia has written or is has, <coughs> has been published. Alright, in the third world or tribal lands, Satan and his demon hordes seem to work overtly. As a result, it does seem that God often answers Satan with overt miracles of His own. Uh, and we, of course, see miracles every day. That's... Uh, uh, that's not a that's a fact and we'll speak more to that as we proceed so what about the gift of miracles before we do uh, is there evidence of its gradual decline there is first of all a prophecy when the perfect comes then the imperfect shall pass away 1 Corinthians 13:8 reading through verse 12 uh Agape, of course you know that's the right mental attitude that comes from metabolized doctrine in the soul. Agape never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So clearly it teaches those things are going to vanish away. Colonel Theme calls those whip gifts. Uh, and... Uh, uh, verse 9 says, for now we know in part and we prophesy in part. So it's talking about knowledge. But when the complete knowledge comes, then those will pass away. And that would be the Scripture when it gets written and it has been used uh, and it therefore supplants the whip gifts which would include miracles. It says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And that's a key verse because the that is a, a, a is a neuter and it's a singular thing. And uh, some people say, well, that's when Christ comes. That's one of the interpretations of that verse. But the Greek tends to indicate it's a strong, neuter, singular thing. Because that's, that's what the Greek is. You know, it has uh, different cases, and uh, it's talking about some strong, neuter thing. S- doesn't say anything about, uh, you know, Christ or give you an indication that it is. And that's from R.B. Theme, uh, ter- interprets it that way, and Merlef Unger interprets it that way uh much of the early Dallas theological guys say that's talking about when the scripture comes, then the uh, uh, the perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Uh, and uh, that and but when that which is perfect is come would be the scripture. All right, now then, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face when the scripture unfolds and is distributed. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. All right. Now then there we have, first of all, scripture. The imperfect shall pass away when the perfect comes. All right, also a categorical study of the early temporary gifts give further documentation that a gradual decline did in fact occur. Uh, for example, Paul, early in his ministry, could heal and often did so. The same is true of the other apostles. Very common. Acts 19, 11, and 12, and we've covered all this, of course. we Talked about what happened in the, the, uh, interim age and what happened in the, in the age when the epistles were being written and distributed. So Paul, early in his ministry, could heal and often did. Now I'm going to read Acts 19, 11 and 12 and God wrought And we had many, many other scriptures that we saw earlier in our earlier study, but here's 11 and 12. And God wrote special, wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought into, unto, the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases depart from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Uh, and that, of course, is, uh, we used to listen to a radio station down in Del Rio, uh, and the guy would talk about mail your handkerchief in, and I'll pray over it, and you'll be healed. and. Then we've had, actually saw a special time, and I did on 2020, I think it was, or one of the magazine shows, back when there were several of them, and uh, they had a, they had one on, can't remember his name now, but I probably shouldn't repeat it anyway. But one of the quote famous uh, evangelists, you know, who did a lot of healing, and he showed how he got the, the he would ask that everybody would send in stuff, and he would get. Just tons of stuff. Of course, they'd send their money in with their request. And uh, he'd take all these letters and they would be boxed up into a, you know, maybe a five foot by three foot pile and two foot high. And he would put his hand on it and pray for them. And that was supposed to take care of the problem. Uh, if they had an illness and they wrote on the letter and sent him a check, he would take care of that. But it was an expose of, what he had in the way of cars and mansions and stuff. But uh there are people taking advantage of, of other people, no doubt. We're talking about Wednesday on Sunday about false teachers and how many false teachers there are and how they will they will uh increase exponentially as time progresses. And I think we see a lot of that today. It gets a little in the United States, it's rather sophisticated, but in other countries, it's quite primitive. Uh, but the way we're going, uh, I no telling, doesn't have to be too sophisticated. I guess I'll just leave it there. All right, uh might have to get way down low <laughs> to convince, to fool them. Alright, later the gift had vanished as prophesied by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we just read. Uh, And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 says, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. verse 26 and 27 now Philippians 2 for he longed after you and was full of heaviness because that he had heard that he had ye had heard you had heard that he had been sick for indeed he was sick near unto death but God had mercy on him and not only him only but on me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow Uh, and there are those who say well why didn't Paul just heal him well, this was written in, this is one of the prison epistles, so it was written, uh, uh, you know, early, fairly early in the church age, but certainly Paul was in prison at this particular time in his first imprisonment. Uh, and uh, Philippians was written in 31 to 32 A.D. But, uh, then in 2 Timothy 4.20, Rastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. So, Paul apparently had, in early in his ministry, could heal anybody he wanted to by snapping his fingers and, you know, doing whatever he wanted to. And we studied all those in the epistles. But suddenly, as the epistles unfolded, he can't heal. So, what happened? Well, the gift of healing passed away. Uh, and uh, uh, Unger, in his book on tongues, speaks of all of the temporary gifts as having been hissed off the stage when the canon of Scripture is completed. That is to say, when that which is perfect comes, the Scripture. So once the Scriptures are completed and they've been uh, distributed, uh, the whip gifts left. And one of the whip gifts was, of course, tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, uh, discerning of spirits, Various healings, etc. So, additionally, both Unger and Theme conclude that Scripture itself seems to indicate a gradual reduction in the use of temporary or whip gifts as the Bible unfolded. Uh, I early alluded to the fact that after AD 58, there was no evidence of whip gifts being stopped. I didn't use the gift, I mean, the, the year, but thought I'd put a, put a year on it here. Uh, and by whip gifts, I refer to such gifts as tongues, interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits, healing, the gift of teaching, the gift of wisdom, the gift of prophecy, signs and wonders. And when I say gift of teaching, gift of wisdom, gift of prophecy, I'm talking about as a gift. In other words, you could teach because you, you can teach today because you study the Bible and you, uh, in my case, I just study, 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 study over quite a period of time and did it myself rather than, well I shouldn't say that. I took a course in in Greek and uh at the at the Gride place and also uh I studied Hebrew at the University of Texas but uh that's the way it's done today. But when the gift was active it just came on you. Uh and you got up and you talked. And somebody was in the, you know, who had another gift of discerning of spirits and uh, interpretation of tongues, etc. So let me go back to two point four. I earlier alluded to the fact that after A.D. fifty eight, there was no evidence of whip gifts being extant. And you say why fifty eight A.D.? Well, that's when Second Corinthians was written. So after the writing of Second Corinthians, you have a lot of scriptures, and we're going to look at them in a minute. Look at listed any as listed. So by whip gifts again, I've given you tongues, interpretation of tongues, discerning spirits, healing, the gift of teaching, gift of wisdom, gift of prophecy, signs and wonders, etc. Now here's the key. After a very important key, after the writing of First and Second Corinthians in fifty six and fifty seven A.D. respectively. There is no mention of the whip gifts. A significant number of books of the Bible were in fact written and distributed after 1st and 2nd Corinthians. But there's no mention of those gifts. For example, we had Colossians, Galatians, Philemon, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st and 2nd and 3rd John, Hebrews, Jude, and Revelation other than Satan doing the healing in the book of the Revelation and the Antichrist and the false prophet. So, as far as Christians performing the miracles, the whip gifts, there is nothing in the later books of the Bible. So, why? You've got it being done right up to 57 58 in spades, and then all of a sudden, that's about the time that the Bible began to get distributed and written and then distributed uh and we see a nothing so why did it just fall off the cliff like that in other words and then you have people like Paul who says I couldn't heal Trophimus. I couldn't heal Miletus. uh so I left him at, I left him at home why didn't he just heal him because apparently there was this diminution if you will of of uh, healing. We're studying healing as a miracle here, but it applies to all miracles, all of the whip gifts, as Colonel Theme is called them. Alright, now caveats <clears throat> concerning certain miracles. In the Olivet Discourse, Christ prophesied that false Christs and false prophets would perform miracles. Matthew twenty-four twenty-four, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. We must be very careful with reference to analyzing what appears to be a miracle, especially when performed by a godly man. Alright, presumably the work of the Egyptian and Babylonian musicians, we'll get to that one later on, but let's go first on, on a... Page two. Uh, excuse me. Page four. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed, as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So care has to be taken, because if Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light, no big deal. If his ministers also be transformed into ministers of righteousness, but their end shall be according to their works. And then in Matthew seven, twenty two and twenty three, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not prophes- have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me that work iniquity. So we find people who actually come to the Lord in the last days and say, well, Hey, look what I did for you. I did miracles. I did wonders. Um, and he'll say, Depart from me, I know you're not. Um, so just because somebody does that does not mean it's authentic or he's a Christian or he's uh, not a Christian. The point being, just use your mind and your, and the chances are, We have nobody with the gift of healing today. Except perhaps in the tribal lands as an exception where Satan is very active and uh, that is possible. All right, many will say to me in that day, then Lord, Lord, we've done this. We've done that. He'll say, depart from me. Alright, the Antichrist of the tribulation will be a man of miracles. No doubt about that. 2 Thessalonians 2. 2.8, 2.9, to 8, to to ten, and 2.11. And then shall that wicked one, better translated, be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of His mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of His coming, even Him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth. That they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Alright, and that's people who, of course, are in the, uh, again, in the tribulation where Satan is functioning, functioning quite well. Alright, so uh, the Thessalonians are warned that. uh, you're not in the tribulation. You remember you have to read Second Thessalonians two, reading from verse one all the way to verse twelve. Actually, it's a wonderful, uh, uh, a a wonderful eschatological book. In that one section, you don't find in the New Testament eschatology spelled out. So, especially not as to relates to pre-trib, post-trib amillennialism, partial millennialism, partial tribulation theory, etc. It clearly says you need to be a pre-trib, pre-mill person in your eschatology. Alright, and we've studied that and studied that and studied that. Alright, Revelation 13, 12, 13, and 14, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast, Before him and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast. That's talking about, this is talking about who's doing this, the false prophet. And he's actually lifting up the first beast, the Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed. You remember he got a head wound and he was revived and he's part of that terrible thing that occurs in the temple where he raises up and that's when you're to flee if you're uh, still around in the tribulation. Get out of there. Don't stay in the Holy Land. Go south where you'll be protected. And again, uh, that we've studied that most recently. All right, and he doeth great wonders, so that he make fire come down from heaven and on the earth and in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth and they should make an image to the beast, the Antichrist, which had the wound by a sword and did live. Alright, now, non-Christian sources of miraculous power. It was earlier noted that in the end times, miracles will be performed by demonic power. Presumably, even earlier, the work of the Egyptian and Babylonian magicians in the case of one very early situation is Simon Magus and Elemus, the sorcerers should be placed in this category. And we don't really know as a certainty that Magus and Elemus were the Egyptian musicians that uh, took Moses and Aaron on in the presence of the Pharaoh. But that certainly happened. Exodus 11 and 12, Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up the staffs of the, the snakes that... Uh, their staffs so the story goes of course that uh, they threw their canes down each one of them and they became snakes and of course Moses and Aarons actually snake ate the other one so uh, it would have been quite a show to see wouldn't it all right Daniel 120 and every other matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them I'm talking about uh, uh, Daniel and his his group, particularly Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and some 40 something others were taken captive in 606 BC. And uh, they uh, were able to perform miracles, of course. And uh, they were, you remember, we went over several of them at the 11 o'clock hour. How you had the fiery furnace, and then you had the, uh, of course, the, uh, Daniel's in the lion's den, and many others. The handwriting on the wall. All right, let's go to Acts eight nine, reading through verse um, all the way through verse twenty four. Here we go. All right, but there was a certain man named Simon which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. I remember Samaria was a city. It also was an area. But it was a city where uh, Stephen had a wonderful ministry going on. And uh, Background. Um, James sent Peter and John over there to check out if his miracles were of God or of Satan or what what's happening big big time you know big time uh, uh activity well known so a certain man named Simon he was a magician to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying this man is the great power of God and to him they had regard because of the long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done, he gave it a lot of thought. And when the apostles were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down from Jerusalem, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet He was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. These are all the people there in Samaria who had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ during the ministry of, of a predominantly... Uh, Stephen then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the hands, uh, uh, he decided, Well, I need to, I'd like to do that, you know, because I've been doing all these satanic miracles, but I'm now a Christian, so. I see what they're doing they're laying hands on people and they're getting healed and they're doing other great things. I'd really like to be able to add that to my repertoire if you will. And uh that was not the question to be asked. So uh, when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles hands the holy ghost was given he offered them money saying give me this power "...that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost." See, they, they, they like that. That was very spectacular. You know, they would speak in tongues and probably do other miraculous things. But Peter said unto Him, Thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray, God... If perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And answered Simon and said, Pray you to the Lord that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. In other words, they told him these are the bad things that are going to happen to you because you're offering money and you don't understand what you're offering. I mean, asking. All right, uh, now then, let's go on to Acts thirteen six. Uh, and when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, that would be Paul and Barnabas, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Now this is on the island of Cyprus. This guy is the governor of the island they went to the island of Cyprus and they went all the way around uh, again to the capital. And uh, they met with the deputy. And uh, there was a guy who was a sorcerer who had been the right-hand man of the head of the island, the governor. He worked for the governor. and done, He helped him out and probably did a lot of miracles. But Elimus, his name was E-L-Y, and you would pronounce that probably Elumus, The Y would become a U. All right, the sorcerer. For so is his name by interpretation. He withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. So again, another of many examples of how the... Disciples who became apostles, and Paul was the 12th apostle, and how they would do many more miracles than Jesus did. And here was one of many examples that we've studied earlier. Alright, summary. The miracles performed by Moses and Joshua may easily be found and studied in the Pentateuch and Book of Joshua. The works of Elijah are described in 1 Kings 17, 17-24, and 1 Kings 18, 17-46. The miracles of Daniel are recorded in the book of Daniel. The miracles of our Lord are scattered throughout the Gospels. Miracles performed by leaders in the early church may be found in the book of Acts beginning in chapter 3 and the early epistles to the church. The Gospels record 35 separate miracles performed by Christ. Of these, Matthew mentions 20, Mark 18, Luke 20, and John 7. It should not be concluded, however that these are all of the Lord's work. Obviously, the Gospel writers under the leadership of God the Holy Spirit only selected a few. It was Luke who said if we put everything in there that the Lord did, you wouldn't have enough books to hold it all. All Alright, there were many ways of arranging the individual miracles noted in the Gospels depending on the purpose of the commentator. In closing, let me repeat, since we have no idea of the source of miracles, We must not place ourselves in a position of dogmatically asserting a miracle source as satanic or divine. But rather, our job is to know what the Bible teaches about miracles. And some of the things that we think are mundane are miracles. Uh, look When you've lived as long as I have, you look at your life and you say, Wow! think of all the many miracles and roads that I would have gone down and didn't go down and you know the things that I was successful in and the things that I failed in. All of them were miraculous. But let's go on. Let's look at John 14, 13-21. And whatsoever ye shall ask in My name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in My name, I will do it. And then John 14.15, I did a little bit of exegesis to clear that verse up. It says, if, and it's a third class, maybe yes, maybe no, ye love, agapau, second person plural, present active indicative, keep on loving me. Keep. Toretto is the, again the verb. You shall in the future. You're producing the action of the verb. You all shall keep. In other words, My commandments. So if ye love me, keep my commandments and keep on keeping them. And I will pray the Father and He shall give you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world seeth me no more. But ye see me because I live. Ye also live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father and ye in me and I in you. And then verse twenty one: He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself again. Uh, and and I, uh, excuse me, and I will manifest myself. Uh, to him alright now let's look at the NIV quickly Uh, 14.13 reading through verse 21 and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it if you love me you will obey he's talking to the disciples now Do anything in My name and I will do it. If you love Me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another Counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The word, the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see Me anymore, but you will see Me because I live. You also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am you in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will I excuse me, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. And so I think the best way to teach these verses is to review the doctrine of the kingdom as in kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom age as such. And we will cover that next week. The Lord willing in the crick doesn't rise. to be a good place to stop and to start next week. The doctrine of the kingdom. Alright, let's close her out now. But first, an invitation to anyone who may be without Christ, without hope, without eternal life, I would certainly recommend that if you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you take care of that right now by simply telling God the Father, I am believing on God the Son and on the promise of the Word you will be saved. And that is a miracle of unto to itself that God could love us in our humanity Yes, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world by Him might be saved. He that believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ has salvation. He that believeth not shall not see salvation. Because He's the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by Me. So once more, let me urge, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and Thou shalt be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm going to pause for just a moment. and Give our benediction. And so during that moment of silence, I urge you, if you've not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, to do that now. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of living in this great country of ours. And I would ask that God the Holy Spirit would take that which I have presented, make it real in order that we might grow in Your wonderful grace and become more like our Lord and Savior, even Jesus the Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen.